a day to remember for Bulldogs fans as they broke a premiership drought in style. It was Tom Boyd's coming of age as the big man kicked three goals and dominated the skies. Jason Johannesson channeled the roadrunner to sprint his way into the Norm Smith, and Luke Beveridge won the nation's heart when he gave Bob Murphy his medal. It's the Premiership edition of The Eight. Buddy come to ground, he lands on his teammate's foot there and rolls his ankle in. He uses a duck and brings it back brilliantly. Bonson Penny, brilliant sidestep, kick to full forward. Boyd's got it and run around the left. He does and nails it. The fend off Jack Kennedy, good kick, great kick. They're in front at the top. Dixon falls to Kennedy. Kennedy again. Tap, 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 tap. McLean, hooking. Oh, yes. That is the cream on what has been a beautiful first half game. Papley, Papley on the wing to space. Franklin is surging after this one, and it gets there. At the acceleration that time, the angle opens up for the left footer. And the champion nails it. Drives it back towards the 50. Picking from behind. Picking from behind. What a mark. Stringer. I'd like to get Bob Murphy up on the stand. This is yours, mate. You deserve it more than anyone. A very special Tuesday morning here in the studios at La Trobe University. Morgan, a, a big grand final weekend. Yes. How good. We are we, and we're, we're joined by two guests today, which is a first for yeah, us. Yeah, double whammy. we got a repeat in Christian Bataco. Christian, how are you? Pretty good, thanks. Good, I'm glad. And we, we've got a newbie, a new kid on the block. <laughs> Rookie. Rookie. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Joel Fritchie. Thanks, Toby. Good to have you. Yeah, I'm good. Excellent. I'm a little bit rusty, as you might (laughs) be able to hear, but by G, I'm a happy boy. By G. What a game. Oh, it was great. I'm a doggies man, so there might be a little bit of bias, but... You're forgiven. That was... We've had a few lacklustre grand finals in recent times. Yeah. And this one really delivered, didn't it? And more. And more. Just every second, I was hooked. It was the, um, probably one of the best games of footy I think I've ever seen. It was up there. Yeah, definitely. There was so many different oh, yeah. stories and different acts to it. 
Like that first quarter, the first 15 minutes, basically there wasn't a goal and it was just everyone was throwing themselves at the ball. Then the second quarter, all of a sudden, it opens up into one of the best quarters yeah. of the season. It had it had everything. Didn't it? Even, even down to um, Dennis retiring. Yeah. yeah. You know? Moment of silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only sad, uh, sad sort of undertone of the day, I think. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Because it was, a, a, even for the neutral at home, bloody hell, it was just so, so enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, and, and Bob, I guess, with the sad. Um, yeah, Bob watching on replay, gee, Dennis had a good call as well. Yeah. He did it justice. Yeah. I mean, there's a he bit did. in that little highlights package we played before as well. Him and Bruce, that's a combination that will be missed for sure. Oh, absolutely. They're on fire. And they, they did that game justice. Yeah, 100%. The intensity of their call with the intensity of the game was fantastic, and it was just I'm I'm still speechless. Yeah. Over it. it hasn't sunk yet. <laughs> I don't think it's sunk in for anybody. How about Tom Boyd's game? Oh, coming of age. I've been gushing over it ever oh. since about four o'clock on Saturday. Halfway through the game, I was calling him Norm. Norm. <laughs> well, he should have won it, honestly. In my opinion, I think he, he was, was best on. I think yeah. he was robbed. I thought he was the most influential. What did what did you think, Christian? I thought he was uh, he was brilliant. Um, the way like in the final series he wasn't like clunking the ball, and then on Grand Final day he just all of a sudden turns into this huge like yeah. this massive like what he is, and just clunks everything. And with uh, the goal in the the fourth quarter, yeah. the one that pretty much sealed the game, that was fantastic. It was a a real a real coming vage. All of a sudden there was confidence in his game. Yeah. He had a, a big game against the Giants, but that was rocking. He wasn't really taking marks. Yeah, he wasn't really. I think for me, it wasn't necessarily because a lot of people are saying the whole numbers game with this one of why JJ probably won. But um, for me, it was more intrinsic value. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> come off it. Yeah. But he, everything he did was in crux moments of the game that really lifted the dogs. And then suddenly they were you know, two goals ahead. Yeah, I was um, something that really impressed me with Tom Boyd was uh, towards the end of the third quarter, it was deep in the Dogs' 50, there was a couple of uh, kickouts the Swans had, and Boyd took two or three marks in the space of two minutes and just locked it in. Mm. And that was a pretty important period of the game. You yeah, felt exactly. if the Dogs go into three-quarter time with a lead, then you know they're well on top, they probably win. If the Swans are able to get out the back and kick a goal, then all of a sudden that momentum swings completely heading into the final turn. Yeah, exactly. Now, I have a bit of a question for you guys. So a lot of people have pretty much ranked the uh, Norm Smith based on JJ, obviously, um, Tom Boyd, and Kennedy, Josh Kennedy. What? How did we rate his game? Well, I actually thought Josh Kennedy faded in the second half. Thank you. I think he was he was phenomenal in that first half, but I think as Sydney faded, I think he was almost um, a metronome of that. Yep. Yeah, he just went away, and so did the Swans. The Bulldogs really got on top in well everywhere, really, and it started in midfield. Yeah, I thought his first half was one of the best individual halves of the season. Yeah, he was absolutely. everywhere. He kicked yep. a couple of goals. Yeah. He was getting so much of the ball, but the Dogs clearly changed something in the second, and his influence was completely nullified, almost with the exception of that early goal. Yeah, well, even when he did, like when he came out second quarter and did the whole thirteen touches, two clearances, three inside fifties, three involvements, two goals. Like that is that is objectively a very good quarter <laughs> for an individual, but like I said before, you take the numbers away from it. Sydney only managed to level at that point, and then the dogs got on top of them again, starting straight off from the 
from half time. So, like, yeah, is it really that that good? Yeah, and, you know, and a big part of his second half was the contributors around him fell away as well. Uh, Kieran Jack, Dan Henry, Tom Mitchell were pretty yeah. good in that first half. A lot of those guys were non-existent in the second half. Obviously, Hanbury went off with that knee, but he obviously was unable to shoulder that load by himself in the second. That probably cost him the Norm Smith and almost his side the game as well. Yeah, and John Longmire said after the game that Sydney really lacked uh, the contributors that the Bulldogs yeah. had. And I've I got to agree with him. I think those maybe, you know, your bottom bottom five, bottom six players, yeah. um, you know, didn't, didn't really perform... Mainly in that in that second half, but you know, if you're going to win a flag, you need your whole 22 yeah. to be up to the task. I think this one they they took a risk playing some underdone players, even you know Tippett, Mills, and McVeigh. Yeah, all three of those really struggled to impact the game at I, all. I don't think that was necessarily a problem that they did that though, because I think Sydney played well. They were just completely outsmarted, outplayed. Yeah. If you look at the two teams in the final series that beat Sydney, they beat them at their own game. The inside yeah, contested the footy getting it out of the centre and pushing it forward and giving the forwards first opportunities. And that's where they struggled, especially yeah. in the second half. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, like you said, those two games, the Swans have shown an inability to deal with that relentless pressure. The Giants and the Dogs both just kept going, kept going. They threw everything at them in the midfield and eventually they broke. I think that's something the Swans definitely have to work on because they've got such a deep midfield. They've got a lot of top-line talent. If they can't deal with that pressure, then there's a, a bit of concern for me. Yeah. The Dogs' game plan was just immensely good. Because, like, you look at Sydney's defence, they work a lot off picking off intercept marks. And, like, they did that a lot. Especially Heath Grundy. Fair. Seems yeah. like every yeah. time in the first half, the ball went inside. Yeah, the he Bulldogs was there. Ball, he was there. Yeah. And, like, well, obviously that's happened because Bulldogs don't have a full forward, really. Yeah. But, so they knew they had to go midfield, otherwise it's game over. Yeah. And the Swans have been the best defensive unit in the comp this year. So I thought for the Dogs to get on top... When they were probably lacking, you know, a real genuine key forward, although Boyd did stand up but played a lot up the ground, I thought that was pretty impressive because that Swans defensive unit is typically so good. Yeah. Rampy, Smith and Grundy are, are really, really exceptional players. I thought they all had really good first halves as well, but in the second, their influence dropped again along with the rest of the team. And I thought that really showed the Dogs had, had sat down at halftime and worked out what they had to change and they'd gone out and done it. Mm. Something I found interesting too was the Swans forward line. I feel like people have worked out how to play Buddy, Buddy Franklin. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's another thing as well. Um, Joel Hamling, uh, you mm. know, quite achiever. What a yeah. Guy. yeah, he did a brilliant job on, on Buddy. And, Incredible. Yeah, and and you know Dale Morris as well. Yeah, um, all those one percenters. And even Fletcher Roberts came in two weeks ago, yeah. and he he did his job again. Yeah. Yeah, but I thought I thought Kurt Tippett was was really poor though. I think he was. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. For the for the big investment that Sydney have put into him, he he <laughs> really really let you know the side down, and you just got to wonder as well. I think this point was raised on SEN yesterday. I forget who by, but I thought it was quite a valid point. How long can Sydney uh, go on with two you know multi million dollar investments in their in that forward line yeah. and expect to continue to have really strong depth? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you do wonder if that that maybe hurt them yesterday a little bit if. That means that those bottom few players aren't quite there, and you see that a lot on Grand Final Day. That depth can really win you a game or lose it, especially when Franklin only kicked the one goal. Yeah. Tippett had no influence anywhere on the ground. If they're not standing up, then that does expose the rest of the side a lot. That's very interesting, actually. They 
the Sydney has not typically been throughout the season. They've not typically been a reliant side on Buddy or Tippett. Yeah. I feel like they were in the final, but they were not really there. What yeah. do you think? And the biggest problem, I think, was you can get away if they're not having great games if the rest of your forward line's working well. But all of their goals basically came from midfielders. Kennedy had three, Mitchell had two, and then uh, Parker and Smith. Smith, of course, are backmen. They had one. Gary Rowan only had five touches for the day, kicked one goal. He was really, really poor. And then George Hewitt kicked one as well. So they were relying on their midfield to try and win the ball and kick their goals, which meant the Dogs' defence was doing their job, but the Sydney Fords just, they were doing nothing. Ben McGlynn was not sighted all day. That's that's probably the biggest concern. You know, if you think maybe your two big forwards are, are being held, that might release someone else. But no one was willing to step up and, and take the responsibility. I feel mm. like even though Heaney had a decent game, but it seemed like they were p- playing him out of the back half of the ground. And I'm like, well, you need an X factor in the forward line. Surely he would have been one of the ones that you could chuck up there and see what he could do. Especially considering the ball was in there a fair amount, especially in the like in that patch towards the end of the first half. Yeah, I see that, but I feel like he was one of the only cogs in the back line that was so important. I feel like if they'd taken him out of the back line, the score might have been up to forty. No, I actually, I reckon that's a good point you raised, Christian. I thought, especially in that first half, their back line was operating quite well. They were yeah. taking a lot of intercept marks. The dogs were really bombing it in a lot. If you could try and find an X factor maybe up forward and, and create something at ground level where that's where the dogs were doing a lot of their damage out of the back half. The likes of Boyd and Morris were just picking it up at ground level, beating their opponents, getting handballs out and then getting it to the likes of Johansson and rebounding really strongly. If you can try and get a bit of X factor in there, it could have it could have broken the game open early. When the Swans, uh, led by Kenny, sort of kicked four in about six minutes there, they, they could almost have had the game on the ropes, but they couldn't take advantage of it, the dogs really locked down and maybe an X Factor could have helped change that. I I look at a player like Gary Rowan and think maybe he could have been used off halfback because I don't think Sydney had what the Bulldogs had in Jason Johannesson. They yeah. didn't really have that spring and rebound off halfback and the Bulldogs really benefited from that. You saw how much uh, JJ got, you know, around the around the fifty meter arc. Oh absolutely. And how much he created. Sydney just did, did not have any of that. Yeah, um, and really, the Swans have lacked a bit of that outside leg speed for a few seasons now, and Rowan's one of the only ones who can do that. When he's only having five touches, there's no one really there to, to generate run, is there? Yeah, I, and you saw it, you saw it on, on Saturday. Um, there just wasn't any, and, and the Bulldogs ended up, you know, breaking the game open on the outside, really getting the Swans. Sydney just couldn't match that. Yeah, I think I liked about the Dogs game too, like... Bonson Pelly had a fairly quiet game, but he was still so good. <laughs> what he, yeah, what he so does Caleb with the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bonson Pelly went at about 92%, I think, mm, yeah. on Saturday. He only had 22 touches, but it seemed like every time he got the ball, he was, yeah. he was opening up a gap, finding an angle and creating something. He always seems to have so much space. Yeah. And those plays are so rare where they get the ball and they have about a minute <laughs> to yeah. get The likes of, of it. like Pendlebury and those yeah. guys where they just... Everything seems to slow down around them as they just yeah. move and they look around. Smart players, smart yeah. silky players. That sidestep in the second quarter, and, and then delivery to Boyd. Yeah. yeah, that was that was that was pretty cool. That was that was awesome. It was ridiculous. Um, I want to I want to bring up Liam Picken. 
Oh, I think... <laughs> I love pick. I think uh, Josh Kennedy ended up taking out the Gary Ayres medal for player of the finals. But I thought, for me, Liam Bigan has just about become a star over the course of this last month. Yeah, he's he's a really likable guy as well. And he's had a, an immense final series. Um, you know, he's I'm sure you'd agree with this, Toby. He's always been that sort of role player for the Bulldogs. But you can just slot him in anywhere. He'll, he'll yeah. do a decent mm-hmm. job. Yeah, exactly. But he's been so much more than that in this, in this final series. He's bobbed up. He's kicked important goals. You taking know, big racked, marks. Yeah, yeah, taking <laughs> big marks, racked up touches. You How know. cool is that? Incredible. And Serenine's what, like five foot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's the strength of the dogs this year is there's a lot of players you wouldn't necessarily know, you might not necessarily rate, but Beveridge has instilled this confidence and this belief in them, giving them a real freedom to run and carry and, mm. and do whatever they want sort of thing. And it paid off. I, I thought... um. Someone else like Shane Biggs, his game was really yeah. impressive. There was a period, I think, I think in the fourth quarter where he had about five or six repeat one percenters. He did, got a couple of smothers, he got a tackle, he got a handball off, and it ended up leading to um, Liam Pickens' goal, which sort of started to break that game open. Yeah, absolutely. And again, going back to that, Swans, like they had probably, you know, maybe five or six players that really had no impact. Even though there was a couple of dogs that might have had quiet games, I think everyone had an impact at some stage. Yeah. Yep. Even Jake Stringer, who had a dog of a day, oh, kicked yeah. a really important goal yep. in that last quarter. I'm so happy you brought him up. <laughs> what do we rate Stringer? I, personally, I think they need to trade him for something good. Look out. Right now, how good would his trade... Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, dear. Right now, though, how good would his trade value be? Well, you, you've good. got to say good. He's a premiership player now. Exactly. And like, Australian a year ago. He's He's been okay for the dogs, but I pop, honestly don't think I'd rate him above a lot of those players. Before I tear you apart, <laughs> <laughs> what, like what, um, what sort of trade would you entertain for Jack Stringer? I don't know. You know to put you on the spot a little bit, but yeah, you've, you've put yourself in this stupid position. <laughs> well, obviously you need a full forward. All right, Jack Stringer for Travis Cloak. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Get Bucks on the phone. Jack, can they take Stringer? Probably, actually. They probably would. I don't, I don't see why not. I think... I don't think a club would be willing to offer up what the dogs would want for Stringer in the first place. I think he's worth yeah, more than true. the dogs and he is any, um, any trade. I think it's a bit premature, Morgan. I don't think so. I... I this time we, last year, he was an All-Australian. He kicked 54, 56 goals. Yeah, he had a, a pretty pretty bloody solid year. Solid. <laughs> yeah. Not great by any means. Last year was solid. This year's been... I don't know. Maybe this just, year's been poor. Maybe just don't like him as a person. <laughs> <laughs> Look, maybe. Maybe. He, Sorry, Jake. A <laughs> little bit of arrogance about him. I think, I think he'll bounce back pretty strongly from this year. I think it'll yeah. be a bit of a wake-up call. He got dropped back to, to the VFL. Beveridge has shown that he, he'll take, you know, no excuses, no prisoners. Yeah, Everyone's rated the that. same. I, I don't think... I just don't want it to turn into a North Melbourne situation where they're clinging onto these players that aren't that good. He <laughs> <laughs> so, like, is young, though. Those yeah, more players uh, were on, you know, on, the, on the edge of retirement. <laughs> I'm getting so much crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that you've generated a bit of discussion there, though, Morgan. So no one agrees with me? Just no. no. No? I think you need you need some big personalities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even if Jake Stringer is terribly inconsistent, um, 
you know, I think he's for for comparison purposes, I think he's like a better version of Stephen Motlop. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I see that. Yeah. Yep. That's fair. That's fair. A I thought version. um <laughs> I thought also Stringer's I think it was his third quarter against Hawthorne was his best quarter of the year and probably one of his few good ones. But I thought that almost almost won the dogs the game. He came to life for the first time in a long time against the Hawks there and Yeah, that was a good game for him. But like, other than that he has been very disappointing. But you think that's something you hope that over the off season he's really willing to put in. Yeah, right. So it might be a bit premature. Yeah, it's, it's too early to write him, him off, but maybe. there is concerns. Next year. I yeah. think questions definitely have to be asked of him. I agree. You really you have to sit down with him and go, maybe like, what's you've, up? you've really got to want this and work hard yeah. for it. Yeah, I just, that's, that's the thing though, is I feel like every other bulldog is working head over heel for this and he's just kind of, almost, well, not not working hard, but he's not. Yeah, I thought... You know, um, before he got dropped in the month or so, he, he was carrying that shoulder injury, but he he didn't look like he was willing to, to do the small yeah, things like chase exactly. and go up for marks and stuff like that. I think since coming back, he hasn't played great, but that has improved. Yeah, so that's that, true. So that is a positive. And he did say that off air before about um, he was working hard in that grand final. He was working real hard, yeah. even though it wasn't a great game for him. He, he's working at least, and that's a positive. Yeah. You hope that if he keeps doing it, it'll click at some stage. Yep. I want to talk a little bit about what Sydney have to do maybe over the off season. Like, is this hmm. is this the end of the road for them, or no. or are they are they set to come back and and have a shot again next year? Well, it's you know it's a tough one because they've still got so many players, so many great players in the in the peak of their careers, yeah. And they've got a lot of good young players coming through, like your you know Callum Mills, Papley. Um, How good was Pap actually? Yeah, Papley he, was insane. Yeah, he's had a really good season, really good finals as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm just, you know, uh, overreacting or being too harsh, but you do wonder about these massive, massive players like Kurt Tippett just taking up huge chunks of the salary cap. Yeah. yeah. yeah you know, do you need to ship off a player like that and just open up some room and, you know, um, just, I guess, build a bit of depth and make sure, you know, that you can compete with those big teams? And you even look in this offseason, it, it might not be related to their salary cap so much, but there's a very strong possibility that Tom Mitchell goes to Hall of Fame. Yeah. And he was one of their better players yeah. on the weekend I and throughout need, the finals series. He he was integral in the finals, and that's a little bit of a concern if he leaves as well. And that for a while there, they were a bit of a final specialist side, but last year they were knocked out in straight sets. They've lost two grand finals in four years now. You just you wonder what what that is. Is that attitude? Is it mentally? Is it just maybe they haven't quite built that list right? I think it's just um, I think it's just a changing environment. Like when you've got teams like the Bulldogs and the Giants, both really young sides, really quick, yeah, quick yeah. sides using the outside, um, you know, it coming up behind them in the finals, they both blew them out of the water. I think maybe it's just, um, you know, a, a style thing. Maybe John Longmire's got to maybe tinker a few things. Yeah, yeah. that's a great thought, actually. That's a great shout. Especially because they, you know, the last final series have been so similar. Like it's always been, you know, Geelong, Hawthorne, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they probably are used to the same, same old... And I, yeah, that's you probably look at their game plan. I don't think it's changed much. It's probably not that different. No. And because like, they've always worked off midfield. Yeah, yeah, they haven't always had a great deal of outside run. Gary Rowan's been one who has injected that, mm. and they've always been probably in recent times a little bit reliant on that those tools to to feed that from the midfield. Yeah. I think they 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 really do have to look at injecting a little bit of speed and a bit more youth. Um, Callum Mills and, and Aaliyah and all those guys, they'll be much better for this season next year. What do we think of Aaliyah not playing? 
would have he been good, crucial, fantastic? He, I don't know if he would have been crucial. I think he would have been an improvement. Improvement. But I, where Sydney got beaten probably wasn't their tall defence. Yeah. So he would have improved Either it. Either or. It's a bit, yeah. Yeah, and I think too, like he, he as all the other Sydney defenders are, he, he works a lot off that intercept marking as well. Yeah. And like it wasn't working. So, <laughs> so if you, you're not set up further up the ground and winning the ball there, then you're always going to struggle in your, yeah. your other facets of the game. Yeah. So I think their problems definitely started were, were more pronounced elsewhere than they were with the, the absence of Aaliyah. Mm. But obviously any time you're missing, you know, a best 22 player, you're going to suffer for yeah, it. Yeah, true. I have, a, I have a quick question. Could the Tom Mitchell, if he does leave to Hawthorne, could it be sort of like a blessing in disguise? Because their midfield is very one-paced. They don't have that X factor in their midfield. Could that free up maybe, if they do need it, some cap space to bring in that outside runner like uh, Andrew Gaff type? Not saying they'll get him, but like yeah. Andrew Gaff type, uh, Isaac Smith type, someone who can break the lines in that midfield specifically. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I wonder if... Uh, I know he wants to go to Western Australia, but I wonder if Sydney maybe look at a Brad Hill. Mm. I think yeah. he fits that bill pretty nicely. Yeah, the type of person they need. Yeah, quite good by foot, but also just lightning quick and break yeah. lines. Yeah, that is. I think that is the type of player. And yeah, you might be right. That could be a blessing in disguise, because Mitchell will probably, if he's to stay at the Swans, he'll be on a lot, and that will, you know, fill out their cap space. I would have thought. Yeah. So if they do lose him, then then maybe they can try and and fix that. And they do have a very one pace midfield, but they do. Uh, what I do like about their midfield is they have the ability to go forward and kick goals. So I think if they can they can find a bit of precision by foot as well and try and bring their forward line into the game yeah. a bit more, then that's a that'll be a big improvement for them. I agree with all except for the X Factor thing. Okay. Because in my opinion they have a trio X Factor. Yeah. Hanabry, Parker, Jack, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, sound a bit more confident about that next time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kieran. <laughs> no, but like I they're fan- fantastic players. And Kieran Jack had a bit of an almost game on the weekend, didn't he? Mm. He had Han- two gettable shots at goal and they they both missed. just missed. Yeah. Uh, Hanabry, I don't think it helped that he... What did he do? Uh, second half. Yeah, it was... I it think was very important. Like yeah. Corked his, his knee or something. Uh, it might, might have been a medial. I reckon yeah, it was a medial sure, impact, yeah. 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 But obviously that doesn't help <laughs> yeah. when you can't run properly. Because I think he was he was on the sideline. And every time he went to... He tried to turn. Tried to turn, he, he couldn't. Yeah, and they were saying, he, you know, he's fine when he runs in a straight line, but as soon yeah. as he tries to turn, and he, um, he came back on yeah. and had a kick shortly after. And he, yeah, it went he was about cooked, yeah. 18 metres. Yeah, 20, yeah. 25 metres, yeah. it didn't go anywhere. Yeah, and, you know, AFL is a <laughs> game where you do have to twist and turn, so... Yeah. Actually, I want to talk about the incident that happened with him there because there was a bit of a bit of discussion about the umpiring on the weekend I want to talk was, as always. in particular about the um the below the knees contact rule on the weekend it I think it was just about officially the death of the rule yeah Easton Wood he went in hard he went in low yeah but there's a definite argument that can be made that said that is why the rule was brought in I don't necessarily agree with the rule but they brought it in because of instances like that Gary Rowan broke his leg when someone went in hard went in low Got him in the knee. The same thing happened with Dan Hanbury. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah. It could have happened to a few other players as well. There's a few instances where it got really close to happening again. And I was like, yeah. if you've got the rule there, surely you have to use it. And as soon as they didn't pay it early on, then everyone's going to go in hard and low. And it, it, it spiraled out of control almost. So What's the point of having the rule if you're not going to pay it? 
So we're we're discussing the umpires not not the rule itself, but the umpires. Yeah, the umpires' interpretation of it on the yeah. weekend. Yeah, it's it's a hard thing though, isn't it? Umpiring. It is because it's a lot is up to a complete interpretation. Part of this That's is one of why I have such a problem with the rule. Is it from such a young age you're taught to go lower and yep. to go harder than your opponent? Exactly, to win exactly, the ball. exactly. But there, you're almost almost being punished for the other player taking a step back and not getting down to it. Yeah. And there was a lot of times on the weekend where there was two players that went down that low and, and collided and it's fine. Yeah. I, I mean, I absolutely hate the rule, um, but I guess by the letter of the law, they were probably there. And I think that yep. one uh, with Dan Hanover was probably the most pertinent one. It actually reminded me of why the rule was brought in. When, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was Lindsay Thomas We went for that massive slide. Not that it was intentional or anything, but, you know, um, took out Gary Rowan's legs. Yeah. Um, that was kind of reminiscent of that. Obviously, it was a much drier, you know, surface. But yeah. Yeah, I think in that situation, that's probably, you know, when it could, could be applied. Um, but yeah, um, I think, as you said, Toby, if they're not going to pay it, you know, if they're not going to pay those ones, then yeah. it's probably on its death nails, that rule. Yeah. Yeah. I'd also like to hear your thoughts about the umpiring in general on the weekend. Like I said, there's been a lot of discussion. Christian, I want to start with you. What did, what did you think? Did you think there was a, a strong bias towards the dogs? I, don't th- I think a lot of the <laughs> ones that were called were there. It was more the ones that weren't paid yep. for Sydney. There was a lot of occasions, well, from what I saw anyway, where there was a lot of holding the mans that could have been paid. A lot of, there was a few dropping the balls, that, but then again, that rule is pretty much yeah. obsolete at the moment as well. I feel like... Yeah, it was the ones that were missed for Sydney, not so much the ones that were paid for the Bulldogs. Yeah. Joel? Oh, you know, it happens. Tough yep. luck. You know, yes. deal with it. it. It happens so many times. It's just the, the nature of the beast. That's just the way I saw it. I thought it was fun. Yeah. I, I, thought, I thought there might have also been a little bit of the dogs often got first hands on the ball. Yeah. When you're getting yeah. first hands on the ball, you're going to first in. And, and they should be yeah. rewarded for that. Exactly. Yeah. I thought it was completely I, I thought the umpiring was, was solid. The biggest problem was there was probably maybe three or four big decisions that didn't go Sydney's way. And they're the ones that really stand out. I think there was a um, Wonder McLean, and he then got a, a 50 after it that was a bit, you know, might not have been there. When when they stand out that badly, then obviously there's always going to be a bit of chatter. But I think yeah. I think the whole um, umpire's favouring the dogs was a little bit over the top. Done. Yeah. People need to... <laughs> more respect for the umpires, please. Yeah. Because like a lot of the time too... They might just be on the wrong side. Yeah. And that's yeah. all that's happened. Because they can't they can't do everything. A game you know? like that. Yeah. It was so intense. It was so fast paced. It's going to be hard. Yeah. Incredibly hard to umpire. Super hard. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I'll admit, I complain as much about the umpires as much oh. as the next guy. Yeah. Oh, don't we all? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it's, it's just the way it is sometimes. They, they, they're going to miss some. You yeah. know, it happens. It's happened against, against Essendon, my team. It's happened against... St Kilda Morgan, yep. Carlton Christian, you know, everyone. Yeah. Yes. I do remember a certain Hawthorne um, escapade. Yeah. <laughs> 15 metres. Yeah, righto. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's a tough gig, umpiring, and I think they they do need a bit more, Yeah. you know, accolades. A little bit more leniency as and well. And I think, like, this crap about it coming up again the next day, like, oh, what if this had happened? Yeah. The fact is it didn't. Yeah. So there's no point bringing it back into the media. It's not often that the grand final winning side doesn't have a bit of luck on the day, yeah. whether that's yeah, the umpires absolutely. or a lucky bounce or that sort of thing. Yeah. I think it's a bit, yeah, a bit over the top. Yeah. Just leave it alone. It's done. Like, yeah. they're not going to go back, look at those things and go, oh, maybe they would have kicked a goal. Okay, Sydney win now. 
And it's like it's dumb. There's not much use just looking at free kick numbers and going, "Well, they had so many more free kicks." You've got to, <laughs> you've got to look at it across the whole game. And free kicks don't win you a game. Yeah. Mm. Now, I think before we wrap up, I, d- I want to bring it back to the dogs. I, I want to talk about Travis Cloak. Because mm. he's been a lot of talk during the season. Yeah, I, I want to know. For this one. I want to know if you think the dogs should still go after him. Me first. Yep. Um. Yes. I was very reluctant at first, as Toby, you know, very reluctant. Um, I thought it may set them back a couple of years because they've still got a young group. So this yeah. this will be the group that plays in finals for a long time, I think. Um, but the more I've thought about it, the more they need him. And I think it would be very, very good if if he's not too expensive. Yeah, well, the report's coming out over the last day or two is that it looks like it'll be a fourth round pick and mm-hmm. about 200000 a year. It's a great deal. That's a good deal. Yeah. Great value. So I think even in the worst case scenario, which is Cloak plays 23 games in the VFL next year, you've got him for a fourth rounder in 200 a year. Yeah. There's not too much to complain about. Yeah. If if that's the case, Toby, I think you're, you know, you're swimming. Yeah. Take absolutely. it. Yeah. Yep. Well, he's already said that he wants to play for the dogs, so I'm feeling like he's going to be wearing the dogs' colours next year. Yeah. It, it does look very likely. The talk is that it'll probably get done within the first day or two of the trade week as well. Yes. <laughs> Love trade week. <laughs> Can't wait. But I think it's important that, yeah, if he wants to play football for the dogs, like during the season, it probably would have been, look, you'll get a lot of senior football here. That equation might have changed now. Mm. He has to be willing to, to work really hard and accept that he might not necessarily be in the best 22 if yeah. he wants to go to the Bulldogs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That'll be interesting to see because I reckon, like obviously I'm just spitballing here. But um, he could he could have a bit of the arrogance head, like I'm worth more than what I'm getting. Yeah. Uh, obviously, could be very very wrong about that. But um, you know, like he could have that attitude though, like legitimately, like he he was the best at Collingwood for very many yeah. years. So. And looking at what Beveridge did to Stringer this year, and he did it to Cramery last year. He's done it to Jacko McRae. Yeah. Yeah. If he thinks you're not performing or you're getting ahead of yourself, then He'll he's very willing you. to yeah to drop you. Yeah. I think it's it's interesting. I, I during the year I thought he he'd probably be best twenty two next year at the Bulldogs. Now I'm not sure. I don't not think so he'd sure. be best twenty two. No. And there's a lot a lot of pieces to fit back into that side in round one next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Stuart Cramer, of course, is coming back. <laughs> Bob Murphy's coming back. Yes. Mitch Wallace might be ready. There's a lot a lot of unknowns to the Dogs next year. I, it's interesting to see how Travis Cloak will fit into mm. that landscape. I think I think we've all agreed that the dog should absolutely still get him. Yeah. Yeah. If 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 he's for that you know that value, then you know. Yeah. Why not? How, yeah. how could you not really? Uh, you think yeah. you know, you're not that likely to pick up a, a very good player with a fourth round pick. You're know, getting Travis Cloak at about probably a third year player's wages. It's it's probably not a bad deal. Yeah, not a bad deal at all. I think that that's just about the end of our show today. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Christian and Joel. No worries. Thanks no for worries. having me again. Been good. Yeah, it's a bit been of fun. discussion. Yeah. A, a good way to finish off a, a pretty good season, I think. Oh, Especially great in regards season. to the top yeah. eight. Yeah. And Fantastic an excellent season. final series. Oh, we didn't even say that. They won it from seventh. The yeah. first team to do <laughs> that. Seventh. The first team to do that since the new eight has been in place. Yeah. And uh, I think it was also the first team to win that many in a row since Adelaide in 97. Yeah. So... It's an insane, insane, like, especially you just look at the whole, obviously everyone's about, it's about the narrative, but you look at it from the start, like all the injuries, they go to West Coast, beat yep. West Coast, they go to... Go to the G, they beat three-time reigning for a years. Yep. And, and then beat the up-and-coming the Giants. Giants. 22 players who've never played in a grand final yeah. before. And you know what? Every every single one of those games I said, yeah, nah, 
dogs won't win it. No hope. Yep. Yeah. And I've been wrong every single time. So, yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's something in that. Maybe next season I need to tip against Essendon every single week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I never pick St Kilda, ever. Yeah, I'm ever. Just saying, I never pick Carlton, ever. Mm. Yeah. I refuse. Yeah, but like Carlton. St Kilda came ninth. <laughs> I think we'd better end it before there's a punch <laughs> on. I'm just saying. Thanks for listening. Uh, we've got a few things in the pipeline in the future as well. So keep tuned. You've been listening to The Eight.